0: Hello and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message.
1: And for, what, two weeks ago or three weeks ago, I lost track of time, has to be changed. Lord changed it. While I lay there in those seven days in intensive care, I saw things a little differently than I had been seeing them. And I know I'm going to violate all good principles of public speaking, and particularly of preaching this morning, in starting off this sermon. I don't know how far I'm going to get in the, in the sermon that I had prepared, I want you to forget about uh, good principles of preaching. I'll pick up tonight from wherever we finally finish up, but I have some things I want to say to you that are, I believe, personal, but yet very important that that I say. And as a basis for it, I want to read verses 4 and 5 of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. In talking of love, and I will use the word love in preference to the word charity, as you know that is the the meaning of the word, charity suffereth long and is kind, charity envieth not, charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Let us pray. Our Father, take us under your wing now as we endeavor to speak from the heart those things that you have laid before me that I might impart to this congregation. May our hearts be warmed and filled with the power of thy spirit as we fellowship this morning together, for we pray in Christ's name, amen. One of the things that I try to do is read at least two books a month. Sometimes I succeed in that and sometimes I don't. But when most of you are probably watching uh, the movies on the evening, I'm in my study with a book don't get a chance to watch much television because I've found that it's more important for me to read than it is to watch unless it's a football game and I'll give in then and I'll go to the television and you can be guaranteed that I'll not be reading like Sunday afternoon, as many of you won't, I'm sure. But the book I read just before I went in the hospital was by Charles Colson entitled Loving God Charles Colson you may remember was a member of President Nixon's group he was indicted and sentenced to prison for a period of time for his part in Watergate and there he was converted now that he is out he is conducting one of the most important ministries in our country that to to prisoners and he is leading a lot of inmates to the Lord Jesus throughout the world. I had read that book. And in that book was a story of Mother Teresa, the Catholic nun who all of you, I'm sure, have heard of and have read about and have seen on television of her tremendous work with uh, people in Africa. Mother Teresa had come to Washington, but instead of doing what normally everyone would think, to call upon the President or even speak before Congress or do some of those things that would be expected of a world celebrity, she tried to secretly enter into a little church in the ghetto in Washington there to to worship. Church of the Assumption, it is called. A very poor, run-down Catholic church. But the news of her intention spread and the news media, the, the mayor of Washington and a few other dignitaries were on hand as she ascended the steps to the church. One of the Reporters ask her this question about her reason for being at that little run-down Catholic church. He asked of her, What do you expect to accomplish here? Meaning, in this church. Her answer came to be important to me. For her answer was, The joy of loving and are being loved. And that's all. All her response. When I went to the doctor on that Tuesday morning expecting that he would perhaps give me some medicine and send me home or at the most send me over to the hospital for a few tests and I'd be there overnight and would come home. I said nothing to anybody. He sent me to the hospital as I had anticipated and put me in a normal room and they hooked me up immediately to a monitor and put an EKG on me and in a matter of minutes, my doctor was standing in my bed and saying, we're sending you to intensive care. It took a few days for that to register as to what he was really saying to me and after it was over and he was able to talk to me, so that I could understand what he was saying, he told me that I had just arrived in time, for I was on the very edge of a massive coronary, and if I had survived it, I would have had massive damage. But as things worked out, I had no damage, and all I do is take some medicine and uh, behave myself, he told me which I interpret to mean to slow down a little and I'm finding it difficult to figure out how to do that. But as I lay there in that intensive care bed, the question came to me that the Lord gave to Elijah after his experience on Mount Carmel with the 400 prophets of Baal And the Lord said to Elijah, What are you doing here, Elijah? I heard those words as I lay there on that bed, and I threw them back to the Lord, and I said, Lord, what am I doing here? I cannot afford this time in the hospital. I've got a church to take care of, and people there who need me. That was selfish of me, but I felt that. I hope some of you would feel that way. What am I doing here? One of the nurses came in and said to me, who took care of me most of that seven days, she said, it's time for you to stop and smell the roses. Well, I've heard that phrase all my life. And I said, Lord, what am I doing here? And I believe he answered me in the words of Mother Teresa. It's time to stop and enjoy loving and being loved. And I thought about those words. And I began to see this reality unfold. For one evening I lost complete control of my emotions and with my wife on one hand and a nurse on the other, I started emptying. I cried, I prayed, And the nurse said, you're going to be all right. And then it suddenly dawned on me, hey, you don't understand. I'm not worrying about myself. Because I knew that regardless, I'd already made my prayer to the Lord. And I'd said, Lord, whatever. It's up to you. I'm ready. That's no problem. I don't know about all of you. I think there's some of you sitting here this morning that could not say that honestly. you're ready for whatever might come and I plead with you this morning to make sure that your life is ready for you might have an experience like mine or other people we know about and not be as fortunate. I beg of you to consider your relationship to the Lord but after I had realized what the nurse particularly was understanding me to be saying my wife explained to her what I was really saying is that I had a church that I felt responsible for and I needed to be back there and Mother Teresa said it's time to feel the joy of loving and being loved." sort of strange that a Baptist preacher would quote quote a Catholic nun, is it not? But it wasn't the Catholic nun that was being quoted, it was the Lord Jesus Christ. There comes a time in our life when we need to experience something that goes deep into the depths of our soul. And I believe that experience must be loved. What was I doing there? I had made my first statement as to what I was doing there. And that was I had verbalized, I am there to realize that the Lord God called me to love a congregation with all my heart. That I realized. I found out during that period of time that there are many Christian nurses, three in particular and one most especially, who spent a lot of time with me doing the little things that had to be done for me. But the most important thing she did is she talked with me. We talked about God, about Christ, about the Bible. She saw my Bible laying there on the end stand. I had taken my Bible and a book that I was reading, and my intentions were, if I were in the hospital, I was going to get a whole lot of sermons prepared during this time of rest and relaxation. I soon discovered the Lord would not allow me to prepare a sermon. This was not the time for that. And the nurse said, what are you doing? What is that? And I said, that's my briefcase. She said, you mean to tell me you're figuring on opening that briefcase up here in intensive care? And I said, yes, that's my intention. She said, I'm going to pretend I didn't even hear you say that. And I soon understood what she said. For my intentions were far gone. I couldn't have read a word. Couldn't have read a word. Not even out of the Bible. But we talked. talked about you she was very keenly interested keenly interested not just passive but keenly interested on the evening that she left the shift before i was to be taken out of intensive care and back to a private room she came in and said i'm going to go change my clothes and i'll be back in a minute and she came back and sat with me a while and we talked some more on our own time She hadn't said much about herself, but as she got ready to go, she came over to my bed and she threw her arms around me. And cried. And she said, God has been dealing with me. And I don't know what for. I learned my second lesson. What was I doing there? I was there because as the pastor of the Olive Branch Baptist Church, our ministry reached to Marietta, Ohio in that hospital. I don't know if I ever see her again or not, but we have ministered to her. feeling a little blue. I couldn't receive any phone calls. I was close enough to the nurse's desk that I could hear the phone ring. I was the only man in the intensive care unit and so when they said yes I'll tell him you called I knew that it was a call from somebody asking about me and they would come in and say so-and-so called and my wife would come in and she'd say I spent three hours on the telephone last night talking to people and all these things. So I knew that something was happening. This is the next lesson I learned. There were people of this congregation from Florida. From our two good families, the maids in Florida. Who called and sent cards to you. I had a stack of cards that thick. You know, as I read those cards and read the little notes that you put in there, there was one word kept jumping out. Many of you said things like this, We love you. You said that time and time and time again. We love you. So the next lesson I learned was that I was not there alone looking up at the, uh, the ceiling and staring at the four walls. But I was there so that the Lord could teach me that we are a family. We are people who love each other. And that's the strength that this church has. I hope you never forget that. We are strong in the Lord because we have a common tie of love through Jesus Christ. Those of you who are strangers to our midst, maybe you don't know this congregation and you don't know me but there's one thing I want you to take out of this church building this morning is that in Jesus Christ we are not ashamed to say to each other I love you and when we genuinely love each other there is nothing that can stand in our way of performing the will of the Lord in this community. The last Sunday of December we had a special Sunday night service here, a candlelight service. Many of you were here. We wrote the names of people we loved dearly on a piece of paper that were not saved. We brought those pieces of paper up to the front and put them here in front of the cross. This week was my first opportunity to go through those lists. I typed out the list of those names that were turned in. I have them here. There's 181 different names on that list. Now we only have 180 because, Danny, your name has to come off. Danny was saved. The first one of this list of 181. Some of you are here this morning that are on this list. What brings our hearts to a point of loving so, somebody so much that we would do nearly anything in this world to see them saved? It's because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us and what we in return express to each other. And it's in the one word, love. Jesus said, Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. One little phrase from one of those little notes that was put on that offering plate that night, unsigned, so I don't know whose it was, but listen, I'll cherish it. There was one name, I believe, on the note, but there was a little note attached to it. It must have been from a grandmother, maybe a grandfather. The note said, Dear Lord, forgive me for being so selfish, meaning only putting one name on the list, but she is my granddaughter. That's love. Would that we were all so selfish that we'd have to ask forgiveness of God for our being selfish and our love of each other to the point. That was expressed on that note. I think that's one of the most tremendous things I ever read. Someone would love enough. To want to see someone saved enough. That we would ask God to forgive us for being so selfish. When we love each other enough. And pray long enough. This list will grow shorter and shorter. And we're going to see more baptized as we saw Danny baptized last week. I don't know if what I'm saying this morning makes a bit of sense or not. I was still awake at 3 o'clock this morning. Trying to decide how to say what I wanted to say. What I'm trying to say is it's time for all of us to experience the joy of loving and being loved. Love does many things. I'm going to have to preach the sermon I planned tonight because I can't do it this morning now. It's too late. I remember reading a long time ago a little story that I've never forgotten of one of our missionaries who felt called of God to go to one of the countries that were cannibalistic, New Guinea I believe it was, and as he set foot upon that shore, he only knew knew two phrases in the language of the people. He was immediately taken captive as soon as he set foot upon the shore and taken to, to their village. Normally they would have killed and have eaten a stranger like this. But he kept saying over and over and over the phrase that he knew. And the phrase was, God loves you and I love you. God loves you and I love you. No, they didn't need him. They could not harm a man who would walk into their midst. And proclaim that God loves him. And that he loved him. He won that tribe to Jesus Christ. They're saved today because somebody loved. We're going to reach out into this community and win. A large number of those 180 people on that list this year to Christ. And we're going to do it because we demonstrate this very fact. It's time that we do enjoy loving and being loved. And when we do and share it, we're going to feel those arms reach out and hug us like that nurse did me that night. And say, God's been dealing with me. We were the instruments that brought them to Jesus Christ. I don't know what your relationship to the Lord is this morning. But you know, maybe you don't love him. But I guarantee you one thing, he loves you. He loved you enough to die on the cross of Calvary that you could be saved we're not going to love all the things that each of us do but we're going to love us because of who we are people made in the image of God whom God loved enough it was his son's life on the cross of Calvary. We don't have to go around telling people that we're Christian. All we need to do is let them see Christ in us. Christ is love. You and I must be love. I'm going to ask three things this morning for our invitation hymn, and during the time that we sing it. I'm going to ask each of you who are members of this church, well, let me even broaden that, regardless of whether you're a member of this church but you're a Christian, that you haven't been demonstrating your Christian life deep enough. You haven't expressed to your friends and your neighbors and your family, the love of Jesus Christ. And you have felt the Holy Spirit speak to you this morning in a very, very special way. And you're determined to be more like the Master now. I'm going to ask you without any shame, without any public demonstration, be willing to testify to this congregation just by walking out of the aisle and come down here and just kneel for a moment and there in your own silent prayer put your life where your mouth is and say by this doing, by the mercies of God, I'm going to love this community, my friends and my family and my lost loved ones. With greater compassion than I've ever loved before. Take time to love, and you will be loved in return. If you have found this church to be the kind of a congregation that demonstrates this kind of love, and you'd like to be a part of this congregation, you remember somewhere else perhaps. Or nowhere, as far as that's concerned, that you're a Christian, you find that the time is now for you to make that decision, encourage you to come forward as well and make known your desire to become a part of this congregation. But to those of you who are not Christian, I want you to know this congregation loves you and's praying for you. And we're not going to quit praying. Until we see you in the fold. We're not going to quit loving. In spite of anything. We're not going to quit loving. Never. We can't do otherwise. To do otherwise would be to negate. The very thing that Jesus did for us. Because he loved us. We in turn will love. And we'd like to invite you to come to Jesus Christ this morning. We'd like to invite you to feel what it's like to have the arms of the Lord put around you when he hugs you to his bosom because he loves you. All you've got to do is recognize that you're lost and in your condition today you'd go to hell if you have not made your decision. Make it this morning. Be willing to be man enough or woman enough. Swallow that pride that is what keeps most people from making the decision. And saying I won't wait any longer. Like Danny did two Sundays ago. Like so many others of you have done this past year. Step out of that pew. And down. I'll meet you at the front. All you're going to say is, Lord... I'm not saved. I want your love. All you have to do is say yes. In the arms of the Lord goes around right. The prodigal came crawling home. He had his speech all made up. How he was going to say, Father, I've sinned. And I'm not worthy any longer to be called your son. He just got part of those words out when the father's arms went around him and he hugged him and forgave him and cleaned him up and took him into his family again. Do you need that? We invite you to receive the Lord Jesus this morning as your Savior. Tonight we'll finish the normal text of the message that I had planned dealing with those specific verses. but now think upon your need. If you're a Christian you need to be drawn first to the Lord, and you want to do it. Without any shame or reservation, just step out of the seat as we begin to sing. Commanders, spend just a moment in prayer before in the front of the church as a demonstration and encouragement to others. If you want to become a member of this church, we invite you to do so. But if you're not a Christian, and you want to know the love that we have talked about this morning, just say yes and get out of that seat. You go, will you? Let's pray.